We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 25 of PogRx. If you are joining us for the very first time, welcome to the show. This is the only show on the interwebs on TV that talks about making you better at video gaming, but also with anything you want to be successful at. Uh, So welcome. If you are a returning listener, I am sorry for this voice right now. I spent the past five days in Las Vegas and there was a lot of yelling, uh, and so I, I have a little bit of, I've lost my voice. I have lost my voice, and my wonderful podcast voice is absent. I, but I want you to know I brought home the hardware. We went for a hockey tournament, and we won every single game, and we took home the championship, so I am a winner, and I know outcomes-based goals are not important. It's about the journey. But it feels really good to lift a championship trophy. So there we are. Uh, Like I said, this is episode 25. We have very exciting guests on our show today. We have Parth of TSM. If you are paying any attention to social media or anything that's been going on in the LCS scene in the past month, his document he published created quite a wave in the scene and we are going to talk to him about it so that is going to come up shortly but before that I want to talk about resiliency a little bit and what I mean by that is when something bad happens how do you take it right we can all be good at being responding to things that are good right how you when you win a championship trophy at a hockey tournament in Las Vegas you celebrate. You're happy, right? That is something that doesn't require a lot of effort. It doesn't require training. It doesn't require a, a big emotional reserve. Like you might scream, you might cry, you might get excited, you might be a poor winner, but but most of the time you do pretty well. What happens though when you lose? What happens when you were supposed to take home the trophy and you got beat by a team from D.C.? Who didn't sleep the night before? Just stayed up for their for their game in the morning. What happens if you get cut from a team? What happens if you don't get even make it onto the team? What happens if you're playing in the game and one of your line mates says something that you didn't like? Right? How do you respond in those situations? How do you respond when conditions are not ideal? And that is resiliency. That is resiliency in my mind. So my question is, where does that come from? Where do you get resiliency? Where does it come from? I was on 
a plane with one of my with one of my buddies uh, flying to Vegas, and I asked both of them. I said, "How do you build resiliency?" Because they're both in one of one is in education and one is in psychology, and it's hard. It's hard to build because the thing is, a lot of it comes from upbringing, and a lot of it comes from genetics. Truthfully, right? Like when something bad happens. Your response is dictated by your emotional response, by your stress response, by the memories that you pull on that are associated with that feeling you have. So a lot of it comes from your home life, right? What was your, what was your upbringing life? Like how many situations did you encounter growing up that you had to deal with? What kind of support did you get from your parents or whoever raised you, you know, and, and, now, now in, in this part of your life, what's your support system life? What is your, you know, how is your relationship with your family? Do you have a partner? How is that relationship going? Do you have a good friend group? Do you have a dog? Dog's the best, right? And then on top of that, after, after you go from support group, it's like, okay, how does your body respond to stress? How active is your stress response if you're a person who immediately, you know, feels like they have to cry as soon as something bad happens, right? That's going to put you in a situation that might not be the easiest for you because people don't know what to do when people cry. Um, When something bad goes wrong, does your heart rate get elevated? Do you start sweating? Does your blood pressure shoot up? Is it difficult for you to concentrate? Those are based on your genetic coding, but it's also based on the strategies and tasks that you have done to manage stress in your life. For me, I'm a hothead. I'm I'm a hothead. I will respond to a situation, or I did historically, with a temper. But when I feel my heart start to elevate now, I close my eyes and I take three deep breaths. And I know that this is like something that they tell on like Dr. Oz or whatever. But it helps me. It calms down my energy or it calms down my temper and it allows me to address situations with a more rational mind, right? That is resiliency. I have that resiliency because of that strategy. So, you know, there is the the temper that I got from a family member and there is my upbringing. I was was the youngest child, so I tended to have more outbursts because that's what got me attention. There is my neurotransmitters right but it is the strategies that I've learned along the way so if you have issues dealing with situations that are negative or you are a coach or an admin or a manager or a friend of someone who does that these things are hard to teach because it's so based on things that we can't affect immediately so what are the things that we can affect right well, support system. Right? Why is a support system important? It's, support system is one of those buzzwords, right? Like safe space or burnout. It's like, it's like everyone wants to talk about it, but no one knows why we're talking about it. Support system is good because if something goes wrong in gaming, in the game, at work, what else do you have? What else can you fall back on? For me, I know that no matter what goes wrong in my hockey game, my wife is still going to love me and think I'm good at hockey because she's so much better than me that the little differences I make in skill progression doesn't matter, right? If something goes wrong at hockey, I'm like, oh, I love my job still. It's cool. I, my worth doesn't come from being good at hockey. 
So finding worth and finding support and finding purpose in other areas of your life can help you build resiliency. Strategies to prevent yourself from responding driven by your emotions can help you build resiliency. Because instead of being governed by your emotions, right? This happens, you feel this, this happens, you feel this, this happens, you feel this. Interrupt that process. I, no one controls me, not even myself, right? Are your emotions controlling you when things go wrong? Work on strategies to fix that. Resiliency, I think, is one of the most important qualities we can have as humans and as people, but it's one of the hardest things to impact. It's one of the things that no one really talks about because we don't really know what we're talking about. But it's, I mean, it helps you in every single area and aspect of your life, right? It'll, it'll stop you from tilting, IRL, and in game. So, I mean, those are things to think about. And, and think about how the last time something bad happened, how you responded. And are you proud of that? Are you proud of the way you responded when things didn't go your way? Or, or do you lay in bed sometimes at night and replay the situation and think about it? Because if it's the latter, why aren't we working to improve that response? Why aren't we working to improve how we respond to that situation? That's what I got for you in this intro. Think about that. Think about ways to improve. All right. Now, speaking of improvement, it's time for our PogRx. Here's one thing you can do right now to make you better at video gaming. One of the easiest ways to improve your gaming is to focus on aim training an integral part of most titles. A new study shows that only 30 minutes a day of aim training can improve performance in gamers of all skill levels. Training for more than 60 minutes can cause performance to plateau, so switch it up after an hour. It's really that easy. It is time for our guest. I hope you learned something there because you're about to learn a whole lot more here. We have Parth, the general manager of TSM. He's been there for a whole long time with lots of experience. He was previously the head coach, and before that a coach. He's got experience at all levels, but the reason why we're talking to him is because he put out, a, a, I think it's 60 pages manifesto on the current existence of the LCS scene in North America and what can be done for player development. It has had me talking, it has had the industry talking, and now we get to talk to him. So let's do it. Barth, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Hi, not too bad. It's bright and early here at 9 a.m. Uh, on the east, on the west coast. So, a little bit early for the esports folks, but hopefully, you guys are receiving that as this at like a normal time. I'm laughing because what you guys at home don't know is that we already recorded this intro and I messed up parts audio. So, we're we're gonna be a well rehearsed machine moving moving forward. All right. So, Parth, you put out this fantastic manifesto on the existence of the North American LCS scene. You know what you saw, some areas you saw that could be improved, and I've been talking about it on the show for the past three weeks. But now we finally have you here. What was it like putting that document out into the space? Like, what what were you expecting? How have people's reactions been? Sure. So um, I wanted to just put something out because it's been really hard to talk a lot about these topics with my peers in the space. Um, it's been really cool because I've had a lot of people both endemic to the space and even some outside just reach out and be like, hey, I saw you put this out. I want to like help expand it, help you uh, figure some things out. Or it's just like, hey, this is cool. Do you want to do some work together? Um, 
I like, for example, I had, I'm like talking to a guy in Germany now who's like a neuroscientist. He's like, oh, this aspect of the paper is like something I'm like critically working on on the sports side. Let's, let's have a chat sometime. And so it's, it's really cool because putting a body of work out like this or like creating videos or content, it's how I like got into the space in, in the first place. Um, and anytime someone asks me like, how do we get into esports? It's just like, put some ideas out there, create some discourse and you're going to eventually meet people. So that's kind of what I was hoping to do with this paper. And it's been, it's been really cool. That's awesome. I, and I love that you wanted to like have conversations because I feel like sometimes, especially in this space, we're really guarded with our information because it's like, mm-hmm. oh, we're fighting against you and you're fighting against you and we're all against each other. But the fact of yep. the matter is, is we're all losing to South Korea and China. So like, let's work together yeah. and like, let's be collaborative. So what was, when you talk to these people who are you know, in the space and um, have mm-hmm. maybe had one or two of these thoughts before, what have people been saying to you? What has been like the most common thing that people have been saying to you? Um, it's actually striking because I think a lot of them at like a fundamental level or at even in an instinctual level, the concepts I presented like make sense to them. Um, they either they're like, why haven't I applied this before? Or why is it hard to apply this in my current context? And so I know there's a lot of concepts like, I talked about then they're like the ideas of cognitive load, periodization, uh, all of these kind of take an understanding of what this means. And um, no one has really done the research or tried this in esports because esports compared to like traditional sports, you have, um, you just have like a different set of rules in terms of how much you can practice, what you can practice. And so I think someone just needs to take the first step and try a lot of these things. Uh, and then we can like have further conversations, but um I mean, when I first put it out, I was kind of, I was kind of afraid that I might just be insanely wrong about everything. So <laughs> I, at least I was relieved when people reached out to me and were like, hey, some of this kind of makes sense. Uh, how do you want to apply it? So that's, that's kind of been like a cool thing to see for sure. I think it's interesting because you describe this concept of cognitive load theory and periodization, which is something that I've been obsessed with for a while especially mm-hmm. in sports, because you look at other areas of athletics and, and you see it, that it's you being used there. And then and you come into esports, and you're like, hey, we want to use this. But the things you're saying, like there are hurdles logistically to implementing those things. Like for people at home who don't know how League of Legends, the LCS people practice is you're scrimmaging against other teams when you're practicing. So when you have your daily practices, it's not like you're playing you know, your practice squad or the people who are sitting on your bench, you're playing another team for a five game block. And so if you want to periodize your training and be like, hey, we're going to do two games, but then we're going to, these are going to be our easy games. And then we're going to do these games. It, you, you have to get the other team to agree to it. So mm-hmm. when you can't just go in and change things. So part does this mean TSM, EG, we're going to start periodizing our, our scrims against each other? What's happening here? So I, I do think that so one nuance to this is obviously this is this paper was kind of tailored towards development of players and growth of players. Uh, right now, the way the industry has progressed is uh, you have like the the pros at the top level competing, and all of the resources right or at least currently and up till now have been focused on helping the current set of players maximize how they could perform. And so all of the budget in terms of coaching staff um, and everything goes towards that. And there hasn't been enough. Um, input from like traditional organizations um, into 
what is the best way to develop players? Uh, how can we like invest in things in the long term and learn the learn how how to apply these concepts? And so I think hopefully teams like I, I know obviously you're working for UG now, so I assume you're going to start to get them to do things. Uh, I do think that more organizations need to take notice of a lot of these um, different uh, methods, not only because uh, in traditional sports, usually when you have an organization, you run one sport and you run that like really well. Uh, in esports, you have one organization who's involved in five or even 10 multiple games. And if you if the first organization who really masters how to develop players and how to apply these concepts that are readily available in traditional sports, in the esports context, they're going to be uh, set for the future um, much faster than all the other orgs. You're right. So, you're, I mean, the we're throwing all these resources at our top-level players, and we're like, all right, how can yep. we fine-tune them to make them 0.01% better, and then we're going to win more games when it's like, you're, you know, the focus on developing the next generation mm-hmm. is not as strong. And I, I love how you were, you were talking about, you know, these academy players, these prodigy players, the amateurs, they're the ones who need the best coaches. But you yep. grab those coaches and you put them for the, you know, the LCS teams, which is, which is interesting. I mean, you brought up a couple really, really good points. I mean, how have, have you spoken to any of the, academy level coaches or amateur coaches about about this like what are they saying um so i think one of the sort of some of the academy level coaches they kind of agree with the idea that um there are two pathways in terms of how you can build an academy team one is where you're kind of focusing on developing players helping them flesh out a lot of different skill sets and then the other subset of academy and amateur coaches um kind of stack their teams in order to win and there's a lot of pressure from the the community and their organizations to, in order for those programs to win. Because if you win, then those players look good. They get bought out. They get a chance to compete in the LCS. Whereas if you're on like a bottom team, uh, even if you're becoming a better player in the process, uh, you're not noticed as much. So there is currently that struggle between uh, how much am I investing uh, as a coach at an academy or amateur level to help improve these players versus, okay, how do I help them showcase the best of what they can be? Because sometimes those ideas are um, divergent. And so um, a lot of the academy and amateur coaches, again, nothing I've said in here is like groundbreaking or revolutionary. They understand these constraints. Uh, They just need kind of the buy-in from the orgs and the community to be like, hey, it's okay if an academy and amateur level, you suck balls while you're like, improving at your game like you don't have to play carries every game to win like it's okay if you spend two or three months learn how to play tanks uh learn how to communicate in a different way so yeah one of the hope one of the hopes that i also have by creating this discourse is like ease off on some of these organizations who are trying to develop players and it doesn't matter if they win if by like losing they're gonna still be a better team like eg is a really great example of this where uh eg didn't win i think uh either spring or summer but their development program created a lot of good players that moved up into the academy circuit and then also the lcs circuit so um hopefully people take more notice of this idea that developing players and winning are two different things yeah 
I'm really excited for our academy team this year. Our head coach, Sebastian, and uh, our assistant coach, Razvan, are just, they're both out-of-the-box thinkers. Like, it was so funny because I had a conversation with them, like a Mm two-hour-long conversation with them, and then I read your paper, and then I talked to you, and I was, like, so pumped about the academy system. So (laughs) what's the next step? Like, what are you thinking about now? These are the things that have been on your mind. You've had these conversations, Mm -hmm. and obviously you have a bunch of new ideas from these conversations. So what are you most Mm -hmm. excited about, like, right now? Um, So this is one of... Well, irrespective of, like, unrelated to this paper, I have maybe three or four other, I won't call them manifestos. That's just kind of a, no, an do. old Please East. do. Please it, do. I love it. It was an old esports meme. Uh, if you want to, if you, if old followers of League of Legends want to look it up, it's uh, CLG Link when he left the team, put out this 36 page manifesto <laughs> about everything that was wrong with the team. And so um, that was more of a, a social engagement tactic, more I so than an manifesto. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think there are a lot of unexplored issues in this space, uh, like player development. There's, um, there's like how the offseason works and like standardizing some of like the ways that contracts work. Um, there's, um, how Riot can help improve the ecosystem and how as a publisher, they have different responsibilities to, to teams and the ecosystem than traditional sports where the IP isn't owned. And so... No, um, I, I mean, obviously on the NA development side, I think there's like a lot of short-term and long-term initiatives that you can do. I think Game Changers for, for women that just started in League is a really important initiative because right now they're, they're 50% of the, the entire world <laughs> with this board and there's like a space for uh, everyone there. I think that um, right now in terms of helping traditional schools catch up to esports and it being offered as a viable alternative to traditional sports is super important too, because the world is becoming more and more digital. And uh, I think, again, if, if you want players to grow up and look at esports as like a tr- viable alternative to what they want to do in their careers, not just as a hobby, it kind of has to start from the ground up. And so there's a lot of work to be done in this space in terms of any development and how to train in the ecosystem. So um yeah, I'm excited to kind of pursue anything that uh, comes my way. I am excited to see what comes next because I, I, I mean that like that like nerd stuff where I'm like, yes, I will print out a 50 page document and take my highlighter and read and and annotate in the margin. I love that. So anything you ever want to write, send it to my way. I am excited for it. I mean, I think it was great. If you haven't already read this, please check it out. Uh, Parth's Twitter handle is right below him, and it is twin. It is his pinned tweet. Um, Parth, one more question before we let you go. So the name of the show is Pog Prescription. I also like memes. Um, so if you had a prescription pad and you were going to write down one thing that players could do right now to make themselves better at video gaming, what would that one thing be? Just players in general or? Um, players in general. Get eight hours of sleep. <laughs> oh my Honestly, God, I'm so sleep deprived right now. So go ahead. <laughs> I mean, I think... At all levels of like professional play, academy play, amateur play, and even players who are like just trying to grind rank to like, they they tell me like, hey, I'm playing like 10 games a day. Why am I not improving? And I think they're just, they sleep for three or four hours a day. They're sleep deprived. They try to compensate by drinking a shit ton of caffeine. They're, they're like focuses all over the place. And the t- out of the 10 games you play, maybe they're focused for three, but the other seven, they're just 
running it down, inting, like not not playing the game well, right? So if you really want to improve at games, just get sleep because you need focus to play. And it's better to get sleep and play like six good games rather than not sleep and play 10 games where only three are useful. So sleep is number one. I love that. I love that. So this is our 25th episode and I think maybe 10 people have said sleep and <laughs> aren't even performance people. Right? You're like, I'm general manager, right? Like, yeah. I love it. All right. Well, Parth, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Um, thank you so much for being with us. And any final parting words? Um, thanks for having me. I think one of the cool things about writing this paper was to get to, get to meet you. Um, and so I appreciate all the work that you're doing. And I'm excited to see what you do next to DG. Oh, my God. You're awesome. All right. Well, have a wonderful day. All right. Cheers. The irony of how many people on this show say sleep especially when I am getting hit right now with knowing how little sleep I've had and knowing that I should be sleeping more I just love that he said that I love sleep I think I'm gonna make a video compilation of everyone on this show saying that sleep is important and then just like play it for myself when I'm at night I'm like I'll just do one more game let's do one more game just gonna play that and be like sleep 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 right it's like the the the, the most important people in esports have all had the same advice, which is sleep more. So, I mean, maybe we should sleep more. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to sleep right now. Everyone, turn stop what you're doing. Turn off this podcast. Go take a nap, a disco nap, which is when you drink some caffeine and then you take a 15-minute nap. So when you wake up, the caffeine hits. Well, there you go. That's multiple Pogarexes you get in one day. All right, y'all, I'm going to go rest my voice. Uh, hopefully next time we, we record this, I will sound a little better. But until then, I am your host, GamerDoc. Check me out on Twitter so you can see my written word. And have a happy and healthy week. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this show. For more information, follow GamerDoc on Twitter at GamerDoc underscore. And please remember, nothing in this video is medical advice. Yes, I am a doctor, and yes, you may need help. But this is the internet, and this is for entertainment informational purposes only. Thank you, and have a very nice day.